Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We'll be in chapter 10, beginning in verse 1 through verse 12. That's on page 1005 in your pew Bibles. Um, if you did not bring a Bible with you, use that one. If you do not own a Bible, that is our gift to you. We want you to take it from us, keep it for yourself so that you have the Word of God. Um, and if you need a testimony as to why the Word of God is powerful and important in your life, come see me after church and I have a story for you. I'm being serious about that. If you really want to find out, come talk to me. We'll, we'll discuss it. Um, it's not a secret, but... Uh, we don't have that kind of time because y'all don't let me preach for 50 minutes. <laughs> um, so our scripture today, as we get into it, you will find is a very difficult scripture. And, and we have the habit of doing or, or wanting to do with our sinful natures. When we come across difficult scriptures, we want to dismiss it. We want to poke holes in it, find every reason we can to dismiss it and move it to the side and say it's untrustworthy un, and, and unworthy for our own lives in any manner. And all of us have various different scriptures we'd like to do that with. In fact, Thomas Jefferson attempted to do that himself, right? You can find Thomas Jefferson's Bible. And, and he went to cut out every scripture that he disagreed with that wasn't going to be part of his life. And so then when you look at his Bible and you flip the pages, instead of solid pages, you see windows of everything cut out. And if we were to do it ourselves and start cutting out the scriptures that we disagreed with or, or the ones that didn't let us live the way we wanted to and the way we thought was best, we would be lucky if we ended up with more than just a front and back cover to our Bible. And so today is one of those such scriptures. It's, uh, it's a really difficult one. We're going to talk about divorce. Well, we're not going to talk about it. Jesus is going to talk about it. And it's tough. And it's hard. And it's tough and, as, and hard as it is for you to hear and, and, and to listen today, it's hard for me to also preach this because I don't, I, in my very core, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want you to be hurt by the word of God. It, and for some time, churches have been really legalistic in how they understand divorce and relationships within there and have perpetuated abuse when it shouldn't have been perpetuated before. The church has messed up on that. And as the church, we should be able to confess that and repent from our sins of holding people in abusive relationships that should have never been held in such abusive relationships. But today, we're going to look at the word of God. We're going to hear what Jesus has to say. And we're going to try and really understand it in what the Bible lifts up about marriage and what the Bible lifts up about divorce. And so as we do that this morning, let us hear now from the word of God in Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become 
one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house of the disciples, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if, the divorce, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On a scripture such as this, there is no funny story to tell, no, nor joke to begin with. Because this isn't a whimsical matter, but rather one that is very serious and one that has us maybe a little tense in our seats this morning. How's the pastor going to address this? How is this going to affect the reality of my life moving forward? And so as we get started, we've got to understand some things in context first. Divorce in Israel in Jesus' time. What was going on that would lead the Pharisees to ask the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? So before Jesus, there were two schools of thought on on divorce. So the way they interpreted uh, the Mosaic law is rabbis would sit around and discuss it and argue it and come up with their own understanding. And so there is two schools of thought on understanding divorce as was allowed by the Mosaic commandment in Deuteronomy 24. And the first one was that uh, very strict, only if she was found to not be a virgin before the wedding, could you divorce? And this comes from the betrothal uh, the betrothing uh, that they did, right? So like Mary was betrothed to Joseph. She becomes pregnant with Jesus. And in the gospel of Matthew, Joseph wants to divorce her and send her away quietly, right? He wants to do that, but God intervenes and prevents that from happening. But it was only allowed in those situations. That's one Understanding The second was uh, the, the liberal, the progressive understanding of Deuteronomy 24, and that is that uh, anything which her husband found offensive could be the reason for a divorce. Anything which her husband found offensive. both of them attempting to interpret the Mosaic law in Deuteronomy 24. And it's with this background, these two schools of thought, that Jesus is asked this question by the Pharisees. Now it says the Pharisees came to test him. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is tested four times. The first time he is tested by the evil one, and then subsequently is tested by the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes three more times. And the test was to try and trap Jesus, right? He's the son of God, after all. Is he who he says he is? And they were looking. Is divorce permissible for any reason? Now, before we get into Jesus' answer to this test, to this question laid out before him, 
we've also got to be aware of a little more context still. That during this time in Jewish law, the understanding of male and female relationships was that the husband essentially owned his wife. She was treated as property. And so that within uh, Judaism, within Israel, the woman had no legal nor spiritual standing to file for divorce on her own. Only the man, the husband, could write a certificate of divorce. And during that time, there were other Gentile areas that allowed a woman to have such power in the relationship. But in Israel, that is not the case. And the other note we need to have is to hear God's understanding of divorce himself. And in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, it's laid out plainly for us. For there it reads, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And so when Jesus is asked, he asks them about the Mosaic law, and they, they tell it to him, and, and he then clarifies. He says that commandment from Moses allowing for divorce was only given because of their hardness of heart. And that's a clue for us. Jesus is cluing us in here in this moment that divorce, the fracture of a relationship, is due to sin within our own hearts. That divorce is the result of sin. Now, Paul, when he writes to the Romans, he makes it perfectly clear for all of us to understand that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory, that none of us are good enough on our own merits to make it to heaven and be reconciled to God, period, end of story. And there is no ranking system of sins, for all sins are sins against God and sins against our brothers and sisters, and we all sit under, at the foot of the cross on level ground so that we understand that. But after Jesus says that it's because of your heart and hearts, he then directs them back to creation and the original design for marriage, the one given by God, our creator. And he says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so here Jesus reminds them of the biblical account of the institution of, of marriage, of what it means and its purpose was there to be a moment of unity. And that therefore the marriage law must conform with the purpose for which marriage was instituted by God. For you see, marriage was designed and created to create a new unity of two persons, and no exceptions were made for dissolving it. And so when Jesus is asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answers, no, it is not. 
And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for us to hear this and even accept it with our hearts. Because the reality is, in the United States, over 50% of all marriages have ended in divorce. And so it hits home for every one of us in this community, either directly affected or affected a family member very close to us. And yet we gather every Sunday to sing praises to God, to join together at the Lord's table, and to hear his word and to trust in the unfailing goodness found in his word and the infallibility found in his word that when our own feelings and thoughts and emotions come to butt head with God's word, we realize that we are finite and he is infinite. His wisdom is better than our wisdom. And so we are to submit to his understanding. And it's difficult. Because this isn't the only time we will ever wrestle with Scripture. If it's your first foray into reading God's Word, you're going to find yourself in a tussle with God about every other day, if not more often. And it's because of our sin nature, right? We all have it within us. We have this pride that thinks we know what's very best for ourselves. And we think we know more than God. It's the truth, and, and we don't necessarily say it in those terms, but it's often in the ways we live out. And so when we come with difficult scriptures with God, we end up wrestling with him. And so the New Testament continues to talk about marriage, though. And in the New Testament, marriage is lifted up as a metaphor that Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful because it places marriage in a seat of honor among all. That be, marriage is to be honored. It's not something trivial. It's not something whimsical. It's not even something contractual. For it is a joining together. It personifies Marriage to understand Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. It personifies it to be filled with grace and an enduring love, with a peace and a patience, with a loving kindness and a faithfulness and a gentleness. All the while knowing that Christ is the only perfect bridegroom to ever exist. And the church, even as we are his bride, are imperfect at best. We bring all of our own flaws into this. And so it be also with our own marriages to understand that as bridegrooms, we are not Christ and we are deeply flawed. And as brides, we too do not come in perfection, but come with our own faults. And so while it feels harsh to hear Jesus' words, they do bring clarity to help us understand our own selves. Right? For if God 
joined the two together, what sort of godlike confidence must it take for us in our finite wisdom to tear it apart? And so, divorce is a result of sin. And it could be the sin of a partner. It, the, divorce is the result of sin, of unrepentant sin. The sin that comes in is, is unrepentant and, it, and is not dealt with, and someone would rather live in their sin and move on than repent, seek forgiveness and reconciliation. It could be the sin of a partner. It could be the evil abuse of a partner. It could be done in, in, the, in the vows, when the vows take place in a marriage ceremony. It could be that one of the partners was simply there lying through their teeth, had no intentions of better and worse, sickness and health, had no intentions of forever, and broke vows to their spouse and to God. And it could be the result of marrying someone that simply God has not called us to marry. Again, it goes back to that heart of things. We often think we know better than God. And so sometimes we will rush into something that God hasn't ordained, whether it be a marriage, a business deal, or anything else in our lives. So divorce emerges and pervades our society because it's a symptom of our deeper sinful nature. That's why it touches so close to home to all of us. Because at the fall of man there in the garden, it was a fracture of relationships. After being tempted by the serpent who is the evil one, His intention is to divide. And not only did he divide man against God, he divided man and woman. For when God comes to them and asks them what's going on, Adam says, that woman over there. And there at the fall, you have the fracture of relationship with Adam and Eve and God the devils come to divide. Now, I understand that some divorces are the result of abuse, and I want to say this clearly, that I admire the strength and the courage of those who were able to get out of that evil and toxic relationship. I would never encourage anyone to stay in that relationship. And I want you to hear this. The scriptures tell us this. God hates divorce, but it does not mean God hates you.
Hear it again. God hates divorce, but it does not mean God hates you. God hates divorce because he hates sin. He hates the fractured relationships. He hates that his creation has become fractured and isn't joined together. And that's why he sent Jesus. Because of the brokenness and the fallenness in our world, because of the very depths of our sin that shows up in various different ways, whether it's, it's broken friendships or broken relationships or divorces in marriage, sin has erupted in our own lives and overtaken our hearts. And we have turned from God, our creator. And so God sends Jesus to be a man, to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, that his law set up for us. And Jesus lives this perfect life, and he goes to the cross. And on that cross, as he hangs, he takes on all of our sins of those who have faith in him. And he sheds his blood for our forgiveness. Washes us clean. And three days later, he's resurrected. Sealing his promise that we too will see resurrection. See, Jesus was sent to redeem us, to rescue us, and to reconcile us to God. The devil wants to divide. Our sinful nature wants to put us first. If it didn't, then Paul would never have to write 1 Corinthians 13 that love is kind, that love is patient, that love never insists on its own way. But he did because it's our nature to rail against it. That while we love someone, we still would love it if we could have everything the way we want it. And the fact is, marriage is about two becoming one. And if you think about yourself, you never only care about what your left, left half needs to do and forget your right half. The same is true in relationships. And so God created marriage so that it would be held in honor among all. None who have ever been married went into the marriage hoping to get divorced. It was never the plan. It was always the result of sin. But the good news is, Christ came, he lived, he died, and was resurrected. and paid the wage of our sin so we could be reconciled to God, be freed from the guilt and the shame, and to go and live a Christ-like life going forward. Amen.